We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Dan Favalli. Remember to search Blue Wire Buckets in iTunes or Spotify for more NBA content. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius. Quick disclaimer, we rarely ever curse on this podcast, and when we do, we usually bleep it out with a 24-second shot clock violation sound. This will be a uh, PG-13 rated podcast at the very least. There will be curse words in it, so if you need to listen to this away from your little ones or are not in a work environment, uh, we've got some things to say, and we want to speak plainly about it. Earmuffs. Today, <laughs> today Ty Lu walked away from contract negotiations with the Lakers. He was reportedly offered a three-year, $18 million deal, as well as the Lakers wanting Jason Kidd and or Frank Vogel to be on the coaching staff, wanted to dictate a lot of the assistance. Ty Lu was reportedly felt insulted by the length of the deal. Just for everyone's clarification, it is standard NBA practice to offer a coach a five-year deal. That is something that Luke Walton got, David Fisdale got recently, Steve Clifford, Monty Williams just got. That is standard practice in the NBA, so that is not a a, a bizarre request on from from Lou. I would say, too, that I think that five years can be a little long, right. and... I would imagine that most five-year contracts, there's probably either a team option on the end or 
a lot of times the fifth year is not always right. a given, right? Mm-hmm. But a three-year contract is especially short. And I just wanted to add this context as well that most coaches do not like to go into the final year of their contract without an extension. And so it's almost like a politician running for re-election, right? right. If you have a four-year term, you try to do your work in the first year, and then by year two, you're already starting to fundraise because year three is basically you're running, like you're running again, right? right? And, and so a three-year contract is basically like, all right, going into your second year, your status is almost always going to be, all right, well, shouldn't we already be thinking about the next contract? Right. So what we're talking about here is like standard operating procedure type of stuff. And uh, so this is pretty stunning. The Lou walked away from this in, in pretty un, un, unprecedented fashion. I can't think of a similar circumstance where a team had zeroed in on a coach and it was just a matter of getting the contract figured out and they couldn't figure out how to do that. I don't remember that. So with all of that groundwork being laid out, Darius, what's, what's your reaction to this? I mean, I wrote a piece this afternoon or this evening after the news broke and the title of the post was simply the Lakers stay messing up and these dudes are messing up. Let's fa- let's rewind to yesterday. I had basically not yet written about Ty Lu or even Frank Vogel, because those were two names that I believe were reported by Chris Haynes from Yahoo as sort mm-hmm. of Lou is basically going to be the next coach and Frank Vogel would be a top target. And I had not written about Lou to this point because I was just I was basically waiting for the contract to be offered. And in fact, you and I offline had basically said, even over the weekend, you know, we should be ready to record this podcast any day this week because right. we'll just wait until the Lakers announce Ty Lue is their head coach. Right. Um, and so yesterday I finally just broke down and decided to to write briefly about Lou and Vogel and not necessarily about their qualifications to be the Lakers coach, but more about this idea of them and the success they'd they'd had in previous spots and whether or not it would translate or how that might translate um, considering some of the pieces that are on the the current Lakers roster. At the very top of that piece, though, I wrote, the deal's not done yet, though. And I'd be remiss if I didn't say that this could still change and it could still not happen. But, and this is what I continue to write in my piece but when a team basically says we want to hire you and the coach basically says well I want to be your coach most times (laughs) they're going to come to an agreement right it's just a matter of dotting the i's and crossing the t's and figuring out how many zeros are going to be at the end of the contract this is simple shit man it is is very simple and the Lakers fucked it up And I don't say that flippantly or like, oh, for shock value. And it's and it's not entirely about Ty Lue, right? It's not about like Ty Lue is the greatest coach of all time. It's not that. He is not some combination of Phil Jackson and Red Auerbach, right? He's not Greg Popovich 
you know, and Newt Rockney and right. Like, and it's not the point. That's not even the point. It's, it's about process. And I sort of halfway praised the process that the Lakers were at least trying to execute within the context of their limited coaching search. Right. Like I would have preferred a wider field. I would have maybe preferred if they were going to wait the way that they've proven to wait now, it's been about a month since Luke Walton was let go, that they might even wait until more of the playoffs are passed or even wait until after the lottery to start holding more interviews. Like we don't know if, even if you're not necessarily a fan of a coach like Brett Brown, there could be casualties of the playoffs that lead you to other names that pop up and the Lakers are in theory a desirable enough job that even if you wanted to then seek out maybe permission to speak to another team's coach you could maybe then say well maybe we'll go after this guy right like there are different ways to handle how you choose your candidates so the Lakers zeroed in on three or four guys as as potential hires. That's a little bit of a narrower net than I would have preferred. But I halfway praised their process because I felt like they were pretty thorough in their interview process. They interviewed the top guys twice each. Right. Palinka had either one-on-one sessions or he had a session with Kurt Rambis initially, and then they brought a... a a larger delegation that included um, two of the bus siblings, Jesse and Joey, who both work for the organization. They had, um, you you know, someone from the business side. They had Kurt and Linda Rambis and then Rob Palinka and then Jeannie Buss. And so that's a lot of people in the room. And there were jokes made about that as well, sort of like how many people do you really need in the room to hire a coach? It's akin to how many people do you need to screw in a light bulb but I kind of liked the idea that Jeannie was being as inclusive as she was in this considering that we've often heard that her circle is so tight now that tight circle was still there but the inclusion of of Jesse and Joey I thought was was positive was a positive and the more voices the better I thought in order to get more opinions and to really make the right hire so in a way I thought the process was fine we're seeing though that they still find a way to mess up the process and and so this is more of a process question to me and i saw that you had put something out on on twitter i think it was a quote tweet where you were responding to something else about rob palinka's reading of the situation and i'd really like for you to sort of share that based on and granted this is just what someone like a league source was was reporting, but if you could sort of like like yeah. recount that here, I think that it's an important point that that needs to be spoken to. So before before I get to that, I, I wanted to respond to one of the things that you said in that this is a half measure. What they attempted was a half measure, presumably to make everybody happy. There were reports of there being a pro Monty camp, make more pro Lou people in the organization, but uh, in order to kind of quell the concerns that Ty Lue is going to be LeBron's coach, right? They The offering of a three-year deal to sync with LeBron's tenure with the Lakers and the rest of his contract is a way of kind of 
you know, hedging your bets and trying to make everybody happy and in the process of it, making nobody happy and completely fumbling the bag. So the that's stupid, though, like, of course, so it is stupid. The, so the idea that you're going to hire like you're hiring a coach for for the team. If the idea is, well, we don't want to make it seem like we're hiring LeBron's guy, but then you go around and offer him a contract that only syncs with LeBron's years, then you're like you're telling on yourself. Yeah, then right? don't fuck, like, then don't fucking hire him at all. Those are your two choices. You either hire him and you commit to him or you don't fucking hire him at all. As a coach of the team, I can understand offering certain free agent contracts to sync up with LeBron in order to better manage your salary cap. Oh, of course. Totally different. Totally different thing. I can understand things of that nature. What I do not understand is floating all of these sort of media reports that are out there that I that I buy into that the Lakers have real concerns about um this idea that uh, LeBron has too much influence or they don't want to set off the appearance that LeBron is influencing this and then basically try to hire a guy to only be there during his years. It's like you just did this bullshit with Byron Scott and Kobe Bryant. (laughs) and, And did you not see how... That played out, right? Like right. you didn't. You hired Byron Scott to coach Kobe Bryant in in his little farewell tour, and now you're trying to do the same to to LeBron James. And you think this is the right way to run your org your your organization? It's it's really nonsense. Like this is what sort of pushed me beyond a point with them where now I honestly believe the expectation for this team and for this organization is that they are going to make mistakes rather than they have run out of benefit of the doubt with me. Yes. And this is where I am at. I know others were at this point sooner than I've arrived at this point, but I am now here. And so maybe that tells you everything you need to know about where the Lakers are. Cause people tell me stuff like yeah. that on Twitter. When they all, lose all you, man, the time, right? Like, <laughs> Oh, like Darius is mad. Exactly. If Darius is mad, then shit, they must've really done something messed up. But, but that's where I'm at. What it is, is this will manifest itself over and over again in different ways because there is not wisdom behind the mistake, right? We all make mistakes in our evaluation and in our judgment, but there is not sound thought process in we're going to offer three years, 18 million and dictate your assistance, which I think is in part a reaction to Luke needing to improve his assistance. But this is a total apples and oranges thing. Ty Lue is looking to bring in Frank Vogel or Tom Thibodeau, Phil Handy from Toronto, one of the best player development guys in the NBA. He was not hiring his college buddies these were legitimate nba people that he was uh stephen a smith said tonight he was going to keep brian shaw around i'm not a big brian shaw guy but shaw's been in the nba like a coach should have the right to put his team together and if you don't trust him to put his support staff together you shouldn't be hiring him in the first place back to what you asked about go ahead man go ahead no i was gonna say i think it's especially true also for for a coach who's won an nba championship right like Tyloo knows what he's doing. 
you do not have to treat him like he's a rookie coach. And I feel like the Lakers, what they were really doing here is sort of like, well, Luke Walton made all all of these mistakes. And so Ty Lue, don't make Luke Walton mistakes. So we're going to hamstring you in ways that we probably should have hamstrung Luke Walton, which seems just stupid. Yeah, absolutely. And to the, you asked me about the thing that I quote tweeted regarding Ramona Shelburne said that Palenka was, and so you pointed this out, by the way, that we have, we very quickly reached the finger pointing stage of this, right? Where it's like Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis have been big parts of this process, right? Like dropping that right after that comes out. So it's like, these are the people to blame. Look over here, right? And so that happened. And then Ramona, you know, says that Palinka didn't think that Ty Lu had the leverage, right? He does not have any other existing offers out there. And the, and so he approached this almost the way, you know, he's a former agent, right? Almost the way a team would approach one of his clients about contract negotiation. Well, we want to give you threes. It's not the same thing. Player contracts and coaches contracts are not the same thing. Ty Lue's also owed, uh, I believe, $10 million on the rest of his deal from Cleveland. He's going to be all right. He's going to be a candidate for coach, if not this offseason, very soon. He's a guy who's who's well-regarded. He's not, he's not somebody that's a you have to hire him if he's available type of coach, but he's a considered to be a good coach. And this isn't just my opinion from watching tape. Basketball people consider him to be a good coach. There are the current availabilities, your Cleveland's obviously he's not going to go back there or your Memphis. Sometimes a, a team does not have a the right situation, right? And if you're rebuilding, maybe Lou isn't the guy that you're looking to go after. He doesn't have player development experience. But if like if that Philly job comes open, if Brett Brown gets gets axed, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Lou's in the conversation on that. So anyhow, the notion that it was the Lakers who had the leverage in these negotiations is indicative of how amateurish this process was and how absurd it was because we find ourselves in a position now where Lou obviously had the earlier walk away point because that's exactly what he did. And now whoever the Lakers hire, if it's not Ty Lue and Monty Williams is already gone at best is their third choice. And you've got clear books, no, no bad contracts, LeBron James, a good young core, a lottery pick, all of your future assets in place. And you still manage to fumble this right at the finish line. You had a line about you turned a layup into a full court heave. The, the time to like fuck around this was not the time for it. This was the time to whoever it was you decided on, because that's the problem that I have with it. If they weren't committed to Ty Lue, even if he was a guy I preferred, don't get to this point where you're in the contract negotiation point of it. And then to have him walk away, don't go after somebody in altogether. So now the Lakers find themselves in yet another mess where they're going to have to go out there. And we're talking like Lionel Hollins and Mike Woodson and like, come on, man, what are we doing I just don't understand how you can walk into basically a clean room and then act like a toddler, basically, and start throwing shit all on the ground and be like, oh, like, what happened to this clean room? And I guess I speak from experience with two kids with this. (laughs) This is what the Lakers did. They turned a situation that looked like, like they were trending towards some sort of stability, and they just undermined the entire thing again 
they are consistently sort sort of devaluing their decision making at every turn and that has an exponential effect on how your organization will be viewed moving forward and this is something that I know matters to Genie Bus right how right how they're perceived you mean how they're perceived what their reputation is around the league that that they have hung their hats on the Lakers being the glamour franchise and sort of this model franchise and you know they get to have the little 16x on on the back of their jerseys right symbolizing the number of championships they won like like no one plays into their past better or more frequently i think than the lakers do like not even the celtics sure sure they have to recognize and if they don't i i don't know what they're looking at they they have to recognize that they're just sullying their name over and over again and it's the leadership that's doing it right like it's not like this is player scandal right like the right. nfl <laughs> right like oh right like player x got caught doing this horrible thing or one of our coaches is now caught up with this scandal or anything like that it's the downfall of their organization has mostly been how ownership and upper management has not been able to wrap their hands around what is pretty standard operating procedure stuff, right? Yeah. In the span of a month, they have let go of their head coach when it was like he's actually viewed as a good NBA coach. I don't think Luke Walton is a bad NBA coach. I think he's young and he has he's still on a learning curve, but he swooped up a job. Yeah, the next day. Yeah. The next day, right? So he clearly still has some cachet around the league. All within this time, their president of basketball operations walks away. They fire their coach. There's still been nothing besides a tweet and a bland press release about any of the direction that the organization is is yeah. going. They seemingly run a tight ship around their coaching search. And then just like you said, they fumble at the one yard line when everyone is basically in agreement that we want to partner together and they can't close a simple deal. What's the problem with offering a fourth or fifth year? The Lakers print money. Is this them being cheap? Or is this them misreading the leverage? Just like you said, is it a combination of both? Are they worried about having to eat the last two years of, of a contract, even if it's 14 or $15 million? Like, who cares? That's, that's literally like the gate from a playoff game. Right. Like, I don't understand how they have gotten to the point where every decision that they seem to make blows up in their face, besides the fact that they just have too many inexperienced people who do not know how to guide an organization forward. And look, I like Genie Bus. 
Yeah. No, we've we've talked about this, man. We've talked about this. I have been one of those those people where I sort of just refuse to throw her under the bus when and no pun intended there to throw her under the bus when so many people are are just burying her right but this is the point where real leadership is needed within the organization and they are floundering and when that's the case you have to point at ownership just the way that we would when look the Knicks are terrible guess who gets the blame it's Jim Dolan. The Suns yes. are terrible. Look who gets the blame. It's Robert, Robert Sarver, Sarver, right? Like when the Wolves have messed up year over year after year, who gets the blame? Glenn Taylor. Like we know these people's names because they're the ones who are fucking up. And so here's the Lakers. Look at the trend. Jeannie Buss is the one who's who's in charge. And as much as... They've tried to wrangle things together and make things right. It's all gone poorly for them. And I thought that Bill Oram wrote a great column this evening. This is another opportunity now for Jeannie Buss to sort of sit back, evaluate, and figure things out. And I think we're all doubtful that that's actually going to happen, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. This is, I mean, this was something that, and they it, they were starting to build a little bit of good momentum, right? It was the notion of Ty Lue is a pretty good offensive coach and being paired up with Frank Vogel, who's an uh, experienced uh, NBA head coach who specializes on the defensive end. There were some reasons for optimism, like, hey, maybe, you know, hey, maybe Palenka and this new front office, maybe they end up being good. And the process of not really interviewing anybody to take over for that wasn't great, but Hey, how great would it be if he ended up being good? Uh, and they like, this was a simple thing. This just close the deal and, and move on from there. Uh, but before we continue, uh, I've got to try and do this not angry live read. And then we'll talk about the, uh, where we go from here. Blue wire is teaming up with Harry's to make sure our listeners are shaving comfortably. Go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to save $10 on a value trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. You get all that for just $3 shipped right to your door. Enough with the cheap razors. It's totally worth trying Harry's. Harry's is fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who have tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. That's one word, blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. All right. So we have laid out the reasons why this was absolutely absurd. And now it's a, we're in a now what phase. And I don't necessarily want to go over the coaching candidates, your Lionel Hollins, Mike Woodson, Frank Vogel. Who cares about those dudes? And that's no disrespect to them. Well, the Lakers, bro, the Lakers didn't care enough about those dudes to interview them the first time. All those guys have had success in their careers, right? Woodson with the Hawks and then uh, later with the Knicks. Like, I'm not saying that they were. They're guys, man. They're just guys. They're Jags. Just another guy. So I want to take it from a different angle. 
in some ways, in a very twisted way, I'm encouraged that we're at this point so early on. My biggest concern last year and and going into this summer was that uh, the Magic Johnson-led front office would make some hasty decisions and kind of make this like a second round type playoff team with that type of ceiling trading the young guys. And Lord knows who that still might happen. Um, that by the early twenties, say 2021, 22, whenever LeBron's contract runs out, we're, you know, magic's getting a little bit of heat and we're, you know, he, he's not interested in the job. However, basically I thought that would be when magic might step down would be after the LeBron thing didn't work out again. This is all the worst case scenario stuff that I've played out in my mind, at least. And then at that point, Jeannie bus would start getting some of the heat for kind of the way that the organization has been run. We've fast forwarded all the way to that part where the, she is the core issue because she is the person who is ultimately most responsible, as you said before the break. She is our Robert Sarver, James Dolan, Glenn Taylor. If the Lakers are not a successful franchise, she is with whom the buck stops. This is where being a big market team actually plays against them, right? Sure. Like Everything's amplified, right? right? Yes. And the Lakers being such a brand name sure. and the fan base being so large. Our Twitter mentions have now come to Jeannie Buss's door. That's Welcome. where I'm going with this. I I will be very surprised if so if the Lakers fumble this summer and we're certainly not off to a good start in terms of doing things that appeal to free agents and to make yourself an attractive organization. If the Lakers aren't able to execute over the course of this summer, that heat is very much going to be on her doorstep. And I don't think that that's ever something that been something that she's gone through before. And just the little bit of media coverage at the trade deadline where about the, you know, the trade rumors and all that. And then she goes to Sloan, the Sloan conference a couple weeks later and says it's fake news. And that the biggest issue the Lakers have is how the media is covered. She's not ready for what's coming from a public relations standpoint. And I, I, I wonder if that things have to get to their absolute worst and rock bottom in order to facilitate real change in the organization. Let me ask you this. A lot of times when people get attacked, they can either own up to things and really manifest a certain amount of change, or they can circle the wagons. And what type of person do you... Like, I know Jeannie Buss little to zero. Right. Mm -hmm. What type of person do you think she is when it comes to that? Because we've already sort of seen her turn inward some. Like I said earlier, there's been no statements mm -hmm. about Magic's resignation. You know, we got a cute little dinner picture, which was fine. They're still friends and family and blood is thicker than water and all of that. Right. She clearly understands that. Magic wanted to step away, or at least that's the public face they're putting on it. But we've had nothing from the organization or from her that offers a sense of, like I said, direction or anything like that. And so I would argue that so far she's proving to be someone who is sort of 
turning inward and circling the wagons and sort of insulating herself sure. from this rather than like and, and there's a defiance to that so do you see her trying to stave this off with like the listening even more to the people who who are in her circle because those are the people who are getting trashed as well sure i mean that's been how she's handled things in the past and she is somebody who very much values even more so than most people i think her inner circle and the people that she trusts she will put them in positions that they may not be qualified for on their resume because of how much she values their loyalty and their that the fact that she can trust them this is different than anything else though in that the circumstances with magic stepping down which is not on her but what she's done in the aftermath of that, not pursuing a president of basketball operations, someone who's established and, you know, messing up this situation with Lou, which is a responsibility that's spread upon everybody. But obviously she's the owner and, and she bears the more of it than anyone else. That isn't comparable to anything she's, she's gone through before. And she has stripped away all of the the meat shields that were in front of her. Right, like we were killing magic and Palinka. This same conversation. The person who is the avatar for our frustrations with the Lakers has changed from magic and to a lesser extent Rob Palenka to and before Ginny that Bucks. it was Jim and to a lesser extent Mitch Kupchak and then it was yes. Byron Scott mm-hmm. and it was Mike D'Antoni. Mike D'Antoni, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's always been these people that look. Lakers fans love their whipping boys more than anyone. More than I, I feel like there are few fan bo- fan bases that love a whipping boy more than the Lakers. <laughs> sure, like there's just always been someone who, right. th- either a small or large faction of the fan base decides, you know what, we don't like you. Sure. Right. And, and that's going to happen. That's part of sports. And it's never been the owner, though. Yeah, not not with this franchise. No, Jerry Buss was beloved. Right. Sure. Because he was accomplished, right? Yes. The Lakers won. So he could be some combination of, you know, Doyle Brunson and <laughs> and freaking Hugh Hefner. Right. You know what I mean? Sure. Like he could be that guy and people would be like, "Oh, he's just eccentric or look at Jerry Buss still, you know." Yeah, we would have hated that cra- if the Lakers were bad, we would have hated him. Right? And all of that would have been awful. No, it's like the way people treat like Jimmy Goldstein, right? Like he sure. he's a star and he's a legend, right? And it's because he just seems so cool. That's all turned or or that is turning. It's in the process sure. of turning now. I'm interested to see what Jeannie Buss's reaction would be. Orem's column, I think, hit the nail on the head. And we've been saying this as well. Um, I've written about this plenty at the site that she has a great opportunity right now to sort of evaluate where the franchise is, seek outside opinions, and really try to remake the franchise in a vision of forward thinking and beyond just LeBron James and everything else. And 
what do I want this franchise to be for the next 20 years, for the next 40 years, right? What's it going to be beyond her even, right? Yeah. To continue that legacy and enhance one of the biggest and well-known and best brands, right? The Q rating on this brand has been extremely high. Does she want to be the person who ushers that into an era of where they're a laughing stock? You know, I mean, <laughs> just I'm just looking around me right now, and hello. I mean, this is the path that they're on, though, right? Yeah, like the tracks have shifted, and the fork in the road has passed, and they are going down this other direction now. There is a way to get back on course, but. She's the one who needs to set that course. She is the owner. And that's the thing you were talking about leadership earlier. I would much rather her have held a press conference and said, I don't give a fuck about what any of you say. I'm going to do what I think is best. And y'all can say whatever the fuck you want in print. And But I am the boss. I am running this. I would at least have respect for that and be like, hey, she is taking ownership of this. The fact that we haven't had anything aside from a press release thanking Magic for his service for the Lakers and then a picture of the two of them at lunch after he stepped down, that there has been nobody who said anything like step up, be a leader, be someone who says, you know, I don't if, if all of you are against me, if she has some method to her madness. Put your name on it, put your face on it, put yourself out there to be the leader of this organization. And I think the fact that that hasn't happened is indicative. It, it manifests itself in some of the mistakes that they're making because there's that crisis of leadership. And this this half measure of offering Lou that three-year deal that's somewhere in between, like, yeah, we, we don't want to commit to you all the way but you're probably our best option. It just smacks of trying to make everybody happy. And when you're trying to make everybody happy, that means there's multiple voices in the room that you're being swayed by, right? Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Can they go back to Lou? Uh, I think so. I think they should, honestly. Hey, this is something I've thought of through the day. And I, I, I'm trying to train myself out of the uh, of when the Lakers fuck up, being like, oh yeah, well, but... You know, yeah, they could actually, you know, like there, sometimes there ain't no but. They no, just no, up. Some, like sometimes, like you just messed up and there's no going back. Like I'm just wondering. I know that these aren't tactics, right? Things right. have seemingly really broken down, right. and if you do go back, it's with your tail between your legs and sort of the whole second meeting with LaMarcus Aldridge as a free agent. Look. <laughs> Sure. You know what I mean? But but you know what? Sometimes life dictates, Darius, sometimes life dictates that you need to go back with your tail between your legs. You ever fuck up with your wife? Because I have with my girlfriend, right? And sometimes you just have to be like. You just got to you know, own it. You just got to own wrong. it. Yeah. I was You just got to own it. You just got to own it. And nothing's been owned at all. Nothing's been owned at all. Like nobody's con none of the leadership has gone in front of a microphone and said, so, so if they can go back to that, that would actually show a certain degree of metal that they have not demonstrated at all. So while I think that's absolutely what they should do and what they could do, I'd be very surprised if they do. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I think that we're talking about a couple of different things here, right? I'd be fine with the Lakers sort of deciding damn we really we really messed that up we need to sort of fix this 
and Lou is the guy who we wanted. Can we get him back at the table? What will it take? And are we willing to sort of swallow that pride and then go? we'll go back? That's one approach with this current brain trust staying intact. I think a second approach, though, and is the more drastic one, is fuck that. We got bigger fish to fry. I need to actually look around this room and figure out if hey. these are the people who <laughs> need to be the the ones advising me. And I don't know I don't know if they like you talk about metal. It takes metal to go back to Lou. It takes more than that. Sure. To do that second thing. And they haven't done a single thing that indicates that that is even That they on do either of those things. Right. I, like, right. Neither of those things seem probable even. I don't see that. That's where I would go, though. I think going back to Lou is is actually easy. In in a way, you just swallow your pride, and just like you said, like just like you go to your significant other, it like you have back channels to Lou, right? Through LeBron, through through whatever you could use Rich Paul in this scenario. You could do all kinds of different things. Shit, you could use Magic Johnson right now for all that it's worth, and try to pull things back together in in order to make things right. But when it comes right down down to it, there seems to be no direction right now with the leadership. And that's what gives me the biggest pause. Because there is literally, they could go anywhere right now and it would not surprise me, including go down further. Like, yeah, this expedited coaching search and them hire one of these names within a two-week process and they could just rinse and repeat the process that they just did but with lesser can but with lesser candidates right like <laughs> i'm not making a fucking i'm not fake i'm not making a fucking jason kidd video i'm no. just telling you that right now i'm not i'm not doing it oh man D- don't do even, this to me i don't even want to talk about him I don't. I'm almost speechless. Like, we could end the pod right there, and it would literally be like the last episode of The Sopranos where shit just goes black, and we're like, what the hell was that? <laughs> right? Did did they just talk about they're not doing a Jason Kidd video, and like, thanks, you've been listening to the Laker Film Film Room podcast. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> right? We're not going to end there. It's super interesting to me, though, that this is where we actually are with this like it seemed like a foregone conclusion that things were going to go in a certain direction and now things are so up in the air and there's you've got Stephen A Smith on TV saying that he's hearing that there are people who are close to Gene Genie Bus who are talking about trading LeBron should be something <laughs> that's explored and like look you can we can laugh and chuckle and and like oh i'm just laughing through the pain man i'm just it's just like it's so absurd it's like but there's fallout to this that's the point though to me yeah. the point that i was going to make is we look at this from the standpoint of we're fans or or observers of the team who are interested in the success and try to look at the direction of the organization in a real and thoughtful way and 
with analysis and all the different ways that that we try to cover the team, right? But there are people in the building, right, whose whose futures are sort of tied to the direction of of the organization. And one of them is literally the most famous basketball player on the planet. And how are things looking to him right now? How are things going to be viewed for those free agents that are out there, just like you mentioned earlier, that the Lakers really do need to pitch in order to build their next championship team? They can't even close a deal with a coach that wanted to work for them and supposedly they wanted to hire. How are you going to get in the room and sell your vision of an organization and and a franchise to Kawhi Leonard. It's it's hard to fathom, right? And they need to go. It's as simple as that. Like they have demonstrated enough that when you say they, do you mean like Rob Palinka and Kurt yeah? Rambis I mean, and... So, so like it's so upside down because like the people Jesse Bus, Joey Bus, Nick Mazzella, Clay Moser, um, the guys who are part of the organization and part of the front office, Ryan West. These are competent people. These are basketball people. And all of the power is with Kurt Rambis and Linda Rambis and Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka. They, of, of all of those people I mentioned, they are the least qualified people to execute the roles of their job. And so, like, this is dying from the head down. This is an organization that's brain dead because the leadership of it, the people at the very top have no idea what they're doing. And the people though, like this is not something where it's awful all the way through and through. There are people who work for the Lakers who are having these same conversations, right? And going, what the fuck is going on? And the problem is, is that at the top, like they're the people in control and the people who know what the fuck they're doing don't have enough power. So to me, the fact that we're at this point where we're able to put whatever pressure we can as a fan base, and it's outside of like the Lakers are the laughing stock of the NBA right now with how the they're being reported. You know, I'm seeing people who hate the Lakers being like, "Yo, Lionel Hollins, like, yeah, I want to like laugh at you, but it's, like it's just like getting to a point where it's like, oh, like stop beating the dead body, <laughs> you know? Look at the dichotomy of a night. Of a day like today, right? So on a day where this news breaks with the Lakers and Ty Lue, you've got a player like Giannis Antetokounmpo mm-hmm. and the first place Bucks sort yeah. of exerting their will and dispatching the Boston Celtics. And then you've got high-level back and forth basketball between basically two Western conference juggernauts in between the Warriors and, and the Rockets and the Warriors were sort of showing championship medal in, in order to close out a game at home where they lose Kev, Kevin Durant to injury. And, and like, look at the contrast between what actual professional basketball looks like and what the Lakers are doing right now. And those things are worlds apart right now. And what I think is hardest for longtime Lakers fans to accept. um, And this is both the, 
the Lakers exceptionalism people and people like you and I, who I think that personally, I think that Lakers exceptionalism is just like, I don't believe in that. I believe you win because you're a well-run organization and you have some luck mixed in with that. And it's really hard to win. And so you should cherish that. But Lakers, Lakers exceptionalism is built on having exceptional people. It's it's not something it goes away. It's not something it's not a permanent condition. That's right. And I think what's hardest for longtime fans who are just appreciative of what the team and this organization has been is that this used to be the time where the Lakers actually made their name. Right. They made their name in the way that Giannis just made his name today. And yeah. the way that the Warriors like reinforced their name today. And now the Lakers are making their name on the other end of the spectrum for being, you know, what the Clippers w- once were or mm. whatever other sort of laughing stock team that was for the longest time. The Billy King Nets or, you know, like fire them up. You know what I mean? There's all these teams and organizations that made their name in April and May for all the wrong reasons. And that's where the Lakers are now. And so to see, you know, the old saying goes like how the mighty have fallen and the Lakers fell a long time ago, man. And they continue to reach new lows that it's, it's incredible. It really is incredible, and you would have not heard me talking like this even two or three days ago, but this is where we are today. There are ways to make it right. I think there are paths to get there, even with some of the same people who are associated with getting this organization there in the first place, still in place to sort of right the wrongs. I just have no confidence in those people right now, even if I think that they can do it, I don't think that they actually will. And that's that's just the hard part to accept at this point. But here we are. It's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking. Uh, the Lakers have been my team since birth. I will love them forever, and I will never abandon this team. But just my heart's broken just with just – what this team is and kind of seeing all of the veils of Lakers exceptionalism and the, the further we get away from those glory days and the more naked the incompetence is, it just such a helpless feeling. It breaks my heart. I wish, uh, I wish there was something we could do. Yeah. Kevin, uh, Kevin Arnovitz had a great tweet, man. He said that it's, it's like bad, bad management and bad ownership. They're like, bad drivers no one ever thinks that they're the bad driver yep and 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 so there there just needs to be a certain amount of self-examination here if if they were capable of self-examination we wouldn't be in this position no that's true one of these times though you have to figure that (laughs) one of these things is going to do it do do we have to figure that i mean Full, full, stay fools, man. It's, it's a, it is not something that you turn off and on. It, it shows itself over and over again. And these are people who are not in their position as a function of their individual 
successes, right? Kurt Rambis was a solid basketball player. He has been a disaster in anything that's resembled his current job. Linda Rambis's qualifications is that she's Jeannie's best friend. Jeannie's qualifications is that she's the daughter of a former Lakers owner. Nobody got this job. Rob Polinka was a good agent, which is a completely different job than what he has now. Nobody has their job on the basis of their personal competency for that position. So there is no reason to believe that they will see the light. Like you, you're a wise person, right? And so you see this and be like, oh, what would I do in this position? I would be, I would examine myself and I'd look around the room and see, hey, what if it's the people in here? None of these ideas are even fucking crossing their mind, man. That's that's the place where I'm at in terms of my level of faith in this organization. So to me, what they're going to do what they've always done. They're going to further insulate and they're going to blame the media. They're going to blame all of these outside forces that, hey, we had no control over. There's probably a breaking point for that because we're not going to fucking accept that as a fan base. But I do not see any of this like reflection and self like examination that I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, that's a stark picture, but that's it is what it is, man. Let's wrap it up here, man. You've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast and we will catch you guys next time. Give me a chance to think. It takes me a little while to get warmed up. I know it does take you a while to think. Rebound to Vladdy. Nice rebound. The Vladdy. Oh, Magic ahead. Go to face. Goes under his foot. Whoop! Having ovation. Listen to the crowd. I think that is a cosmetic call, baby. Okay, kid, you're all right, my book. Will you get these idiots out of here? Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.